I feel like I should introduce myself again because of the extended break, which was not planned. I put out an episode in March, and then I had planned on releasing another one in May and taking a little break over the summer, and that turned into a really extended break that, again, was not planned. Life just happened, and that's okay, and I'm trying to remind myself that that is okay. So, for those of you that might be new, for those of you who may have forgotten who I am, um, my name is Claudia. This is my podcast, Buen Provecho Chronicles, where I get to talk to people that I've been curious about, admired from afar, who work and move in the food scene, um, and just get to ask them questions about their childhood, what makes them tick, why they do what they do. So this guest in particular, I have been trying, or I had been trying to speak to earlier this year, and just schedules didn't align, but it finally happened this uh, September. It's taken me a few weeks to get this out, again, because of just some life stuff. So I wanted to put it out before the end of the year and share this with you because I was really excited to finally get to speak with her. She's from my hometown of Del Rio, Texas. Her name is Dora. She is a vegan food blogger who focuses specifically on Mexican food. She is fantastic. Her story is great. And I think you'll enjoy hearing her journey from... Uh, cooking school to transitioning to a vegan food lifestyle and yeah just everything that she has to say so for those of you who are still here from way back when thank you and for those of you that may be new welcome so without further ado here's my conversation with Dora from Dora's Table It's good to see you, meet you too. Yes, nice to meet you. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time. I know we've been going back and forth for a while. So <laughs> how are you today? I know it's Sunday. I'm very good. Thank you. You're going to hear some noise in the background because my whole family is here and I've got three kids and they're noisy. They're <laughs> very loud. I have a 12-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Okay, yeah. So you got a good range there. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. I've got um I've got what 20 some odd nieces and nephews and I, they range in age too and so yeah, I'm used to noise and big families and everything. So yeah, no Yeah, worries. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Are you enjoying your long weekend? Yes. Yes. Good, good, good. All right. Well, I just I you know, I wanted to jump in, but I don't know if I, in our kind of few emails and a few messages on Instagram if I had told you I I'm from Del Rio oh no I didn't know that okay I, I didn't know if yeah, I might have mentioned it in passing or not so yeah when I came across and I'll tell you a little bit about how I found you I had been looking at I think like one of those random articles it's like top five Instagrammers to follow and then I happened to land on uh, top five vegan or Latinx vegan uh, bloggers uh -huh. And so I went through the list and there was one that I had heard of before and then I came across yours. And so, I, I mean, I was reading everybody's bios and checking out their websites because at the time, uh, me and my husband had decided to 
go a little bit just more plant-based and we've gotten away from meat more and more we still eat it occasionally anyways as I was reading yours it's like and she lives in Del Rio Texas and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) I was like ah so I got really excited I think I was following you since then and when I started the podcast I was like oh my gosh I would really love to talk to her and just kind of hear her story but yeah so I'm from Del Rio I don't know are you are you from Del Rio or you kind of landed there after a while no I'm actually from Acuna which oh, is okay. the yeah. the border in town in Mexico that's uh-huh. across from Del Rio, just so all the listeners know. Yeah. And for Macuña, I was born and raised there, and my family's there. Everybody's there. So we just kind of ended up here okay. um, a little bit before uh, the whole pandemic thing started, which was turned out to be really good. So we've been here about two years. Oh, so just recently? Yes. Oh, wow. Where did you uh, move from? We moved here from San Antonio, but I've lived everywhere. My husband works in the hotel industry. So we lived in South Carolina and California and Hawaii. We lived in California. We lived twice, once in um, Southern California near San Diego and then the other time in Orange County. So we've kind of lived everywhere. So, but before coming to Del Rio, we lived in San Antonio. Okay. I don't know if you know her. You, I think you do know her because I know you guys have done some collab- collaborations with Isela from Hernan. Yes, we, we work together because um, I love her products. I love her products and I think they're so good. And it's, yeah. I actually met her. I was living in San Antonio and there was a big um, Day of the Dead, the Dia de Muertos Festival. Mm-hmm. And she was out there selling her chocolate. And I picked up, I happened to pick up her business card mm-hmm. and it said that her offices were in Del Rio. And I was like, what? <laughs> Same reaction, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's why I was, and then I, I went back and I talked to her and I'm like, you're from Del Rio? And she's like, yeah, I'm from Del Rio. And her, her warehouse is here in Del Rio mm-hmm. and her business office is in San Antonio. So that's how we kind of got connected. And we've been working together for a couple of years now and I kind of help, I'm her affiliate. So I help her promote her products. And- very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I actually, the one, the interview before this one, or the last interview I did, which was back in the spring, um, was with Isela. So I got to know her a little bit more. I had met her. I kind of laughed because I was, I think I blanked out. She had been um, kind of just speaking with my brother. He owns a business here and just trying to kind of get a, the lay of the land, I think, as she was trying to open up or expand her business here. And I met her, but I forgot that I had met her. And so when I reached out to her, she's like, we've met before. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no idea. I was like, I'm not even 80 yet. My mind's already going. Um, so it was really nice to reconnect with her and kind of hear her story. And now that she's living here full time, I, I think at that time she might have still been going back and forth to New York and between Texas. So yeah, I love making all these little Del Rio connections. <laughs> I know. that's just, You know, it's such a small town, but there's so many talented people that are from Dorio. Yeah. How's that transition been for you to move back home? Did you go to high school there as well? Or did you go to? No, I went to high school in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Well, I went to high school in Piedras Negras, which is an hour away from, Mm -hmm. from Acuña. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll jump into the questions around food that I've been wanting to ask you if you're ready to go, because I know you've got a lot of family too. So one of the things that I always like to start out with is just kind of finding out like what was the food of your childhood, like early childhood memories, who was around the table, what were you eating? And, you know, that's where it starts for all of us when we're kids, we start eating, right? And it's where those little seeds get planted. So I like to kick it off there. Yeah. So um, as you know, I'm from Northern Mexico. So most of my childhood food is very meat heavy. So a lot, a lot of meat. In my case, it's a little bit... um, 
peculiar because my father has owned a restaurant for the last 30 years. So really my mother kind of cooked at home until I was about six years old. Mm -hmm. And then that's when my father opened the restaurant and she decided that it wasn't necessary for her to cook anymore. (laughs) Why was she going (laughs) to cook anymore? So I do have like fond memories of my mom making me like sopita de fideo, of like having family meals at home. Mm -hmm. But for really most of my childhood, it happened in our family restaurant. You know, that's where we ate, you know, we had breakfast at home, but then that's where we ate lunch. That's where we ate dinner. That's where my dad was. That's where we went. Um, If we wanted to see him, that's where we had to go. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, I grew up eating really family meals, Mm -hmm. but at a restaurant. Like the yeah. restaurant was our really our second our second family home. Then we eat a lot of meat, um, mm-hmm. which I used to love. I used to love a lot of cheese. <laughs> um, but I do have really fond memories of our Christmases and like yeah. our holidays. As like my my abuelita would make like humongous batches of like pozole en menudo. We would mm-hmm. get together and make tamales. You know, we would make buñuelos for Christmas as well. So a lot of my food memories are food memories you know they're associated with people I love people that taught me how to how to cook how to work with ingredients and you know in our culture it is food is so important to our culture it is such an important way of communication an important way of transmitting our heritage and our culture and I'm really because I'm in northern Mexico Mm -hmm. I feel like it's completely different from absolutely central and southern Mexico and in some ways the culture is a little bit uh, diluted because we're so close to the border Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there there's also a little bit of influences like Texas influences like Mexican-American influences that happen all across the border I agree yeah one of the things um, that I've been you know as you start to reflect I think you get to a certain age and you start to reflect on your childhood and just you know how you where you grew up and I've all one of the things that I've always said is growing up on the border is such a unique experience um whether what whatever side you're on whether you're on the U.S. or, or the Mexican side but you are kind of this whole separate place in a way because you have two sides of of the you know of you have the U.S. side the Mexican side and they're they are like you were saying intermingled and they influence each other and so it becomes like this third space um this border and so yeah the food is different the culture is different even to some extent the language because it's going you know you're going back and forth in and out of English and Spanish so uh I find that frequently with people who grow up on the border so yeah you're just kind of echoing that thing that I hear over and over again yeah I find it very unique I almost like to think of it because especially Del Rio and Acuna you know, they're not very big. They're not like no. humongous cities. So really to cross the border, you cross a bridge, a literal yeah. bridge, like you cross a bridge and you're <laughs> on the other side. So in, in a way that border is very blurred mm-hmm. because, you know, I have my family over there, but I have family here. Mm-hmm. I go over there, but I also live here. You know, right. there's people that live in both places. There's people that work in both places. So it's really like one big town with both of the cultures inter- intermingled. Yeah, I agree. I know one of the things that I always, I you don't think about it as a child, but when I was growing up there, it was like, you know, go to school, do your thing during the week and on the weekends, it was like, okay, my mom was like, let's go to the fruteria or we're going to go have lunch. And we, like you said, just cross the border. And it was not a big deal. Like it never crossed my mind. Like I'm crossing into a different country. It's like, we're just going across the, 
the bridge, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to go eat or, or whatever, see family. So yeah, it's, it's unique. Now, do you have brothers and sisters? Like, are, do you come from a big family, smaller family? I have three sisters. Uh-huh. I have three sisters and I have a ton of nieces and nephews as well. <laughs> a lot of nieces and nephews. And I do have, you know, like we all do extended, like, 30, 40, 50 cousins, you know, yeah. and now they have their children. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is everybody close by? Um, well, my sisters are all kind of close by. I do have a okay. sister that lives in Monterrey, but mm-hmm. my two older sisters live here and my parents live here. And um, our, we do have family kind of close by. We're not too terribly spread out everywhere. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. So you guys can kind of share those big holidays and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Still, I know. Yeah, that's those are the fun times for me. Those, I think, I, what we all remember if you've grown up, in, you know, in the Mexican culture, the big holidays are kind of the food-centered ones, along with, of course, like you were saying, the day-to-day. But I know I remember tamales at Christmas and, you know, capirotada around Easter and just all that yes. different stuff. Do you have any favorites even that you, well, we'll get to what you do now, but um, <laughs> that you, from back, you know, back when you were a kid and you like early childhood memories that just really stick out or food favorites? You know, I've always been a big fan of mole, which is uh-huh. also why I'm a big fan of Isela, <laughs> who sells mole. Yeah. Um, I, uh, mole was always one of my favorites. There is a dish that my dad still serves at his restaurant. It's called taco tapado. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a carne asada um, taco, but it's it's a skirt steak with uh, bell peppers, onion, bacon, and then they put like cheese on top and they okay. melt it and they top it with tortillas. And then that's why it's called taco tapado. So then you like grab your tortilla and you like with your hands, like grab the meat and you eat yeah. it. I okay. still haven't recreated that one. But that should be on my list. You're like on the list. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really good. I've never heard of a that. What is your dad's restaurant? If you don't mind me asking. It's called Tacos Grill or Los Tacos Grill. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's my, that's. It's our family restaurant. It's been open for more than 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, my dad's still still going. Still going at it. Oh, I know. My mom's, well, I mean, my mom doesn't own a restaurant, but she's 80 and yeah, she's still going. Uh, still doing her thing. I'm like, nothing nothing stops. I mean, she, she had a little spill recently, but outside of that, I'm like, she's still going. Um, as soon as you said that goes girl, I had a memory come to mind of eating there. And it's like so simple. It's not even food. It's we used to go when I was little and we would sit at the table and I was like, you know, I, didn't, I barely fit in the chairs because they're at least when I went, remember going, they had big chairs and all the adults would order their drinks. And, you know, they might get like a beer or something or a margarita and they would come in those big goblets. Yeah. Right. And of, of course, I couldn't order one. So they would always get me a limonada. But I learned to like place my own order. And my mom would always get me limonada con agua, agua mineral or topo chico or mineral water. Uh-huh. And I just remember the first time I got that giant goblet of limonada and I felt so fancy and such like such an adult. <laughs> and they, so they put like a little uh, garnish and it's got like orange and cherry and like a little umbrella and everything. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for that for making me feel like an adult <laughs> um cool wow I had no, that's really neat to kind of make that little connection like that so then I'm guessing or I'm, I'm going to make the assumption here did you go because I know you went to culinary school did you learn at home how to cook or at the restaurant or like what was that transition for you from like being at the restaurant a lot and then culinary school like yeah make that connection for me if you don't well, mind. I actually didn't 
learn how to cook until I went to culinary school. Oh, wow. Because my mother didn't cook at home. Um, they only cooked at the restaurant. And then mm. the restaurant restaurant kitchens, and you yeah. know, still that's true still today, is not a place for little girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a place for little yeah. girls. So we would never really go into the kitchen. Like I yeah. knew... I grew up in the business, like listening to my dad talk about the way the business was run, sure. you know, like seeing firsthand the the stress of running a restaurant, the problems that, you know, that the problems and the, mm. the, the good things and the bad things. Like we grew up all around it, but I never learned how to cook um, because I was just never, you know, put into the kitchen. If there is like a big banquet that we, that mm. my dad had, like we would be called, like my dad would be like, I need help. And then we would you know, like we would like make guacamole or something. Sure. <laughs> so I knew how to make the guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to go to culinary school. And yeah, I didn't know how to cook at all. Oh, wow. So, like I didn't know anything. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of my experience. I mean, we didn't have a restaurant, but I like kind of did some stuff here and there. But I never like learned like at my mother's side how to make this. It's yeah. only now in recent years that I'm like, okay, teach me how to make this and this and this and this and this. And after I got out of college, I was like, well, I guess I have to feed myself. I don't have a cafeteria anymore. <laughs> but that's kind of it. I mean, the same thing for me. And I remember like the things that I've learned are, you know, when you would gather around the holidays, like tamaladas and make tamales, but it was like, I learned how to smear the masa on the corn husk. And that was like the extent of what I learned. And I'm wondering, is do you have similar that similar experience, like just little things like that? Yes, I, I didn't really. After I decided to go to culinary school and then became kind of interested in food, leaving, actually leaving this area and going because I went to the CIA, the mm -hmm. Culinary Institute of America in New York. Big campus. And <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I left, I was like, oh, you know, I, I know how to speak English. Like, I'm mm. not going to have any problems at all. Like, I understand the American culture. I did not understand the American culture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such a, it's a different coast. It's like, a di yeah. yeah, totally. I get it. I did not understand it. And, and it really made me feel like I was in a different country for like yeah. the first time in my life. I'm like, I'm in a different country. And that really brought me to have a lot more appreciation for my own culture. Because mm. you hear you're surrounded by people, even if you're across the border, it's the culture is in both places. The mm -hmm. culture is in Mexico and the culture is in Texas. Yeah. And then leaving this area and then having, you know, and back then in, in New York, like you couldn't really get um, a lot of Mexican stuff, like to mm -hmm. find dry chiles and to find like good tortillas, like yeah. it, you had to look to yeah. find it. And right now, you know, that's not a problem at all. Right. But back then. So just like the first time where I really, really uh, came to appreciate my culture. So then mm -hmm. after that, I was like hounding everybody for recipes. I was like, you need to teach me how to make this. <laughs> <laughs> teach me now. Yeah. So was the your idea to go to culinary school out of a desire to learn how to cook? Or was there like a specific thing that was like that kind of pushed you in that direction after high school I was uh -huh. a missionary for a year um, okay I lived in Mexico City and one mm -hmm. of my chores I used to live with uh, consecrated women uh -huh. which are kind of like nuns but okay. they don't wear a habit gotcha and um one of my chores was to help out in the kitchen oh wow. so it was the first time that I actually had an interaction with cooking okay. and I really loved it I loved it and then 
in that year that I was mission like a missionary, mm-hmm. I met a girl who was going to culinary school. She decided to take a break to do mm-hmm. the same thing that we were doing, like to help in mission. But she's told me all about culinary school. And she was in a culinary school in Mexico and okay. how great it was and like all the stuff that they were doing and that they were learning to do. And then just, I don't know, just kind of like everything lined up. It was like, yeah. I discovered that I really liked the kitchen. And then I met this girl who told me all about culinary school. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of all clicked, like, yeah. like kind of like a rush, like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. what my dad does. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's what I grew up. I grew up with. And then the thought of having a desk job was just so terrifying to me. I was like, I can't sit on a desk all day. I just can't do it. So then this just seemed like this is cool. It seems cool. I like it. This is what my dad does and it obviously works. Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of decided to go to culinary school. Of course, once I got to culinary school, I realized that it was a lot more complicated (laughs) Yeah, yeah. than I thought it was going to be. But (laughs) Now, how long is the program at the CIA? The CIA, it's about two years, a little okay. a little less than two years. If you're doing your associate's degree, if you do okay. your bachelor's, it's four years. Did you do two or four? I did two. Okay. I, but, I, I mean, did... it is an intense two years, right? <laughs> yes, it's it's super intense and it's a cooking school. Yeah. So there's no really, you don't really sit. I think like the first three, three weeks you sit, at, you know, and, and they go like a fear, like over like, practical stuff that you need to know and you go a little bit over you know like culinary math and like mm-hmm. ingredient like identification mm-hmm. but then after that you're in the kitchen I was like I don't know if that's the way it is now there but when I was yeah. there you spent three weeks in each kitchen so it was like when you start off with um skills uh-huh. skills one two and three which are like the basic basic like they teach you how to hold a knife they teach you how to cut and then you go on to all the different types of cuisine you do pastry you do baking you do the cuisines of the Americas, you do the cuisines of Europe. And then it's, it's based on like French classical cooking. So we do a lot of French techniques and stuff like that. So it's really fast paced. It's really intense. And it's like every three weeks you're in a different kitchen and, and it's a full day. It's not like, Oh, I went to class three hours. No, it's like you went to class 12 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. They're basically like prepping you for what it'll be like in a professional kitchen. I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Was there anything that you gravitated towards? Like style of cuisine I guess like or were you just like I miss Mexican food and that type of cooking and so you were just kind of you constantly found yourself going back to that or was there something else that you were like you latched on to you know I did constantly find myself going back to that and I became like that very annoying person that was like I'm from Mexico and in Mexico we do it like this and I'd be like oh you know I remember we had a class a skills class and they taught us how to make rice so we had to make all different kinds of rice Mm-hmm. So we, we had teamed, like we teamed up with another person and we had to choose a rice and choose a way to make the rice. So then I don't remember what, which rice I got, but I was like, we're making Mexican rice. And the person <laughs> sent me was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're doing Mexican rice. So like every chance I possibly got, I was like, I'm from Mexico and in Mexico we do it like this and we can do it like this. So I, I really do think like this whole time, um, I just kind of, found so much love for my culture from being away from it Mm -hmm. that that's really all like I was kind of looking for the things that would bring me back to it in a way looking for the things that would help me feel connected and and safe and that's why food is so important in Mm. our culture because it really does bring us all together yeah 
it's it's a sense of home, right? I mean, so many of our memories do revolve around the kitchen table or the kitchen itself or your mom making your something or your aunt or your abuelita or whoever, your tío making a carne asada or, you know, there's just everything revolves around food in the Mexican culture is what it feels like. Yeah. If we're eating, we're already thinking about the next meal or talking about what we're going to have next, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so then I guess, so then after culinary school, did you have like certain aspirations? Like you're like, I want to open up my own Mexican restaurant or anything like that? Or were you like, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to help my dad and we're going to just like, you know, do well, I, I was on a student visa. So then with my student visa, you, you get a year of practical training, mm -hmm. which means that you can, after you graduate, you can work for a year. And you know, it's like practical training that's included yeah. in the visa. So I really just had like a year to stay gotcha. in the States. And then I was going to go back home. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up getting a job at the Four Seasons Hotel and in Washington, D.C., and they actually extended my visa to like a different visa. And I ended up staying like three, three and a half years. Okay. And before I met my husband and I ended up staying here permanently. <laughs> but really what I, I wanted to do was learn as much as I could. Yeah. Was learn as much as I could and just like move up as fast as I could. Because I it felt like I had such a limited time right. to be in the States. And I just wanted to absorb absolutely everything. I've never really had the aspiration to I mean I did in the beginning to own my own restaurant but then as I got married and had children and and then seeing how like my father works a lot still and yeah. it was it's a hard it's a hard job and you have yeah. to dedicate a lot of time to it mm -hmm. and so I don't think right now my aspiration is not to open a restaurant I think that's probably like the last thing I would do unless like the kids are old and grown and gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the beauty of today with the internet and everything is that it, I think it's opened up so many more doorways for what we can do in food. Like you're not just tied to, oh, I can only work in a restaurant. Um, you can be a food writer. You can be a food blogger like you are. So one, you can just take whatever you learn and really apply it to so many different areas these days, but still feed that passion to to work with food or create food, um, which is kind of how you you got there, right? You, I know I've done from I listened to a little video that you have on your website, and then I caught a little bit of another podcast that you did, and you were talking about you know like you said your priorities changed once you started to have kids, but you still missed doing something with food, and that's how you discovered blogs and you started there, right? Yes, is that right? I, yeah. I had a hard, really hard time after mm -hmm. having my first child. I didn't, I didn't get um, postpartum depression, mm -hmm. but it, the shock was just too big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was They're life changers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went from being a, like I was living by myself. Like I've been working in a professional kitchen for like three years. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I have a baby. I mean, not all of a sudden, but yeah. you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You knew, you knew the baby was coming, but still. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I don't know. I just didn't expect that my life was going to completely change forever. Yeah. I mean, people <laughs> tell you, but you don't, under, you don't understand until it happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a really hard time because I just felt like, well, that was all a waste. Like, why did mm -hmm. I even go to culinary school? Why did I even, you know, like try have professional aspirations if I was just going to stay at home? And I stayed at home by choice because 
at the time I was living in California and mm-hmm. daycare is very expensive, Ooh. very expensive to the point where I would probably have to be paying still after, even after working, probably have to pay more than what my yeah. salary was to put my child in daycare mm-hmm. for, and then working in a restaurant is working nights, weekends, yeah. holidays, which complicates the whole daycare thing. Yeah. So then that's why I chose to stay at home and to, to dedicate myself to my child at the time that I just had such a hard time with it because I felt like I didn't have an outlet, like all, like my knowledge of food, my passion for food, all of it. I didn't like, where do I put it? Or what do I do with it? Like, is (laughs) it lost? Was it, was it a waste of time? And I just had so many, it was a very, very hard time for me because I just didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do. And then I met somebody who had a blog mm-hmm. and I was like, what's a blog? And, um, and she'd show me what it was and everything. Yeah. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so how long have you had your blog? You know, I started the blog in 2010, uh-huh. um, but it wasn't what it is now. Like what it, it was now? just, okay. it is, um, it was just like, a, I would post, you know, back yeah. then blogs are more like diaries. Mm-hmm. So then I would make dinner and I would post what I made for dinner and I would like talk about it or I would recreate like a family recipe and then like talk about like why I did it. And then some posts were just like, like literally like a diary. Like I didn't find like one time I burnt, I bought a huge case of like apricots uh-huh. and then I burnt, I brought a jam because oh. I would make. I would make jam. I would buy like <laughs> huge boxes of strawberries and make jam. And, yeah. and I bought apricots and, and it, I had spent so much money on buying <sighs> like this case of apricots. And then that night I was just so tired. I was so tired. <laughs> Cause you know, the baby wouldn't let me sleep and I was making jam and I had the jam on the stove and I was like, I'll just put it on really low and put the baby to sleep and I'll come back. Well, yeah. I put the baby to sleep and I fell asleep with the baby. And then you put yourself to sleep, yeah. <laughs> and when I woke up, the the jam, like the top part was still, it wasn't burnt, but the bottom of the pot, yeah. it had stuck to the bottom of the pot and it was burnt. So then like everything tasted burnt. A burnt, yeah. Yeah. And oh, I was so goodness. sad. I was like, <laughs> I was like crying on the kitchen floor. <laughs> jam. <laughs> You're like, there's a lot behind these tears. <laughs> yeah. So like that um, story that would have that was on the blog that like would have made picture, it yeah, yeah like I'm yeah. a picture of like my burnt jam and stuff <laughs> like that but professionally I've been blogging since probably 2015 okay. was when I decided that I was gonna uh, try and make it into a full-time job or for yeah. like full-time business yeah and did you find that the blog met that need that you had to share what you'd learned in your skills and I'm sure it also just became kind of cathartic to just share with when you have kids I know it can feel a little isolating I don't have children but friends and then of course my brothers and sisters and 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 all of that um speaking to women of course specifically it can feel a little isolating because all of a sudden you're just like dedicated at least the first six months or so Mm -hmm. okay keep this child alive right and they're just very dependent on you to where you do I mean you do kind of lose yourself to them for a little bit I don't know if that's the right way to say it um but yeah you you're not talking to adults a lot (laughs) right um is the refrain that I've heard so often from friends and so I imagine that maybe just kind of putting that out into the world was a way to connect with people and I don't know it was is that true 
Yeah, it really was. It really was a way to to really feel like the talents that mm. God had given me weren't being wasted. And mm. you know, they really weren't even even if I didn't have the blog because I was cooking for my family and I was right. cooking, you know, for for people that needed food and I would make food. You know, I was still cooking as much as I possibly could because I love to cook. Yeah. But at that time it did feel like you said like isolating, like mm. you know, like you really have to kind of refine yourself like mm-hmm. if you spend your teenage years finding out who you are or like finding out who you're gonna be after you become a mother mm-hmm. or a father you really have to refine yourself and kind of define who you're gonna be now that mm-hmm. you have a little person to take care of that yeah. is gonna be there forever <laughs> <laughs> at least 18 <laughs> yeah but they're still around they still need you I'm like I'm 40 yeah. something and I'm still I'm like I need my mom I have so many questions yeah. <laughs> at what point were you like okay I'm gonna make this my job was it at the point that you decided to go vegan or before then even or it was around the same time okay I was kind of going back and forth with veganism I started doing it because of health reasons. I had gotten sick and I went to a million doctors and nobody mm. could, I mean, they were just giving medications, yeah. medications, medications, medications that would treat the symptoms. But as soon as I stopped taking the medication, the symptoms would come back. Mm. So I was in a lot of pain and I just didn't know what to do. And I had a friend who told me there's a documentary called Forks Over Knives. Mm-hmm. And she told me I should watch it. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I Why? Don't want what to. was it? Really, like, I don't want to. I don't want to know what it's going to tell me. <laughs> no, because I I think I looked it up on Google and it's it, you know like the synopsis and it said it was yeah. a documentary about benefits of a vegan diet and how it, uh, it has the power to reverse disease. So I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to watch it <laughs> because I love food too much. I love all kinds of food, so I just for the longest time I didn't watch it, and she. Yeah thank goodness was very insistent and she every time I saw her she'd be like did you watch it did you watch it and I'm like no it came to the point that I was like if I knew she was in a mommy group that I was in if I knew she was gonna be like like hiding from her until one day I'm like I'm just gonna watch it because yeah so I can get her off my back (laughs) yeah so I watched it and I was like darn it I'm gonna have to try it at least at least yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to try it. And I did. I tried it. I tried it several times. Like, I think the first time I lasted like a week and I was like, I'm not doing this. And I went back and then yeah. I tried again. And I'm like, mm, I think I lasted a little longer, like three weeks. <laughs> and then I'm like, nothing's different. And I would yeah. go back. <laughs> and then I think I tried it for Lent one year and it was like 40 days. And this time I, I stuck out the 40 days yeah. and I began to see improvements in my health Mm. and then I kept doing it because I felt better and I kept feeling better and better and better and I was like I'm just gonna have to do this you're like dang it (laughs) but you know I I like grieved I grieved because I was like this like all my food knowledge all the knowledge I have about fancy French cheese Mm. like what am I gonna do with that (laughs) how do I do this with vegan food <laughs> I know, and then back. So, how long have you been vegan now? Uh, for six years. Okay, yeah. I mean, and in, in just in those six years, like the vegan food landscape just at the grocery store has changed so much. So, I don't think like I'll I pick up vegan cheeses because I try to stay away from dairy, and 
like even in the short time that I've been doing that, I've seen just like how they've gotten better. <laughs> yes. Yes. The all the like packaged um, convenience food has gotten so much better. And there are so much more options mm-hmm. than before. Yeah. Yeah. So six years. Okay. So then, and that was about the time you decided to go professional. And I know it was kind of your mom who helped you like the light bulb, I think you said once went off when she was like, make it more Mexican. Cause I think your mom was also having some health issues, but she wasn't really into the vegan food you were making her. And so she wanted something a little bit more familiar. Yes. She was diagnosed with, so I had her even vegan for about six, maybe seven months. And uh-huh. I kept telling everybody, you know, like, well, you should try, it, you should try it. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mother got diagnosed with type two diabetes mm-hmm. and my mom was very upset because my grandmother and my grandfather had type two diabetes and it got towards the end of their life. It got very complicated mm-hmm. for them health wise. So she was just terrified that she yeah. had been diagnosed with type two diabetes and all my enthusiasm for food or omnivore food. I kind of poured it in to vegan food and I started reading as many books as I could and, and as many things as I could about, in cookbooks to learn to learn all I could about vegan food and how I could make it and how I could help people you know improve their health Mm -hmm. and you know and now we know the planet and you Mm -hmm. know the animals and everything that that comes with it yeah so I um tried to get my mom to go vegan but I would make her you know the vegan food that I would find online like the stuff that I was trying and she just didn't like it <laughs> she she did not like it I tried to feed her this is happened when I tried to feed her tofu I made oh, her like geez. a you know the Vietnamese spring roll yeah which is like the weirdest I mean I love it but the mm-hmm. weirdest food you could give someone who's not especially like a Mexican mom who's not familiar <laughs> first of all with Vietnamese food who's never had tofu and then like because the spring roll the texture is so you know so yeah. special it's different and it's clear you can see yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like nope no, no. And huh. she got so frustrated with me and she's like why can't you just make it more Mexican uh, I'm like oh yeah that yeah makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so was that hard for you I guess like you have all this knowledge, like all this culinary knowledge, and then you've been doing your homework on veganism. Was it hard adapting Mexican recipes to a vegan style? I guess I don't know how to say it. You know, in the beginning, I don't think I even tried it. I didn't even, I don't think it even occurred to me Mm. because I didn't even think it was possible because back then I was like, how am I going to, like, how are you going to make like carnitas? Yeah. Vegan. Like there's yeah. no way, there's no possible way that you can do it to where it will be even remotely similar. And or you can be like, well, you can use mushrooms. I'm like, well, that's not carnitas, that's a mushroom taco. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of is, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then I I actually had, I think I was just so pr- being protective of the cuisine itself mm. and like the, the the culture and the heritage that I didn't even want to try. And veganize it yeah and I still I do get especially in my because I have my blog in Spanish as well sometimes I, I do it, right? yeah sometimes mm-hmm. I get comments where like this is an insult to Mexican cuisine and I think that's how, that's how I kind of felt in the beginning like I can't do that like that's how how are you gonna do that to something right. that's like our heritage <laughs> that's blasphemy <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
but then after that after that incident with my mom I was like mm-hmm. she's right yeah. like she's right like I have to do this and I started doing it and kind of going really back to the roots of the cuisine mm-hmm. which we know with the base is corn mm-hmm. corn beans chiles squash tomatoes yeah. so then I decided to just kind of go back to like the beginning and be like let's go back to the roots and let's you know show you rice and beans yeah. so let's see how many different ways I can make rice and beans and add a vegetable and and you know she'll eat that because she would a million million times prefer to mm-hmm. eat that to a Vietnamese spring roll sure. or a veggie burger yeah. or you know any other type of cuisine because this this is our cuisine this is what she knows the flavors are familiar right yeah I think that's one thing um that I've always I don't how how can I put it it was I think definitely once I left the border and came here to school at UT and you start to see more regional cuisine like Tex-Mex and one of the things that I felt like there's a common misconception that Mexican food is unhealthy. And then, of course, as I've been doing my own exploring of just the different cuisines, kind of like you saying, there's northern, there's the central cuisine, there's southern cuisine. It's just varies across the country and knowing or learning, I should say that, like you were saying, a lot of it is vegetable based. And so it, it really isn't unhealthy. It's the more regional stuff like up here that's like loaded with cheese and salsa. And I'm like, that's not Mexican food. And so I, I find like that's a common misconception. But I think maybe even sometimes we inadvertently adapt like, oh, our food is unhealthy, but it's not. It's just what we've kind of seen around us. And I don't know if, if you come across anything like that, just in your own way of thinking or just in general as well, like, like you said, in your blog, people are like, don't do that. But that's maybe that's something different. But yeah, any misconceptions that you're like, that's not real. Yeah, no, I do find that, uh, especially here in the United States, there's a huge misconception that Mexican food is not healthy, mm-hmm. that it's full of cheese, that it's full of fat, that, you know, that, that there's a lot of unhealthy things in it and a lot of it I think has to do with the adaptation that had to be done to Mexican food by immigrants when they got Mm -hmm. to this country because if you go like even if you go to my dad's restaurant and you ask for enchiladas they don't put melty cheese on top right enchiladas in Mexico use queso panela or queso fresco which is a healthier version Mm -hmm. of you know it's healthier than like quesadilla cheese because it has a little bit less less fat mm-hmm. it's fresher so that's kind of like the enchilada that you, that you would get it would be like filled with chicken topped with sauce and then put like a little queso fresco some onion maybe mm-hmm. some lettuce depending on what region of mexico you are yeah. and depending on what region of mexico you are it might also have carrots and potatoes on top or carrots yeah. and potatoes in it but the american version of enchiladas has like a pound of cheese <laughs> It does. It really does. Yeah. You're like, well, maybe not. (laughs) But there is, there is a huge misconception that it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially in the United States, there's there, it's kind of divided into tacos, enchiladas, tamales, and maybe like carne asada. (laughs) It's like the four most known things. And that's what people think of when they think of Mexican food. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I feel like it comes in waves, right? It's like the taco was really hot and then it was something else. And at least right now here, I'm where I'm at in Austin, it's birria, you know, 
and that's like the hot thing right now. And I'm like, when is the hot thing going to be like the veggie version or not even the veggie <laughs> version, just like the vegetables that, you know, yeah. do, like chayote and all of that stuff. I mean, I didn't, to be fair, I didn't grow up eating that either. Um, it's only been as I've traveled more and more in Mexico, but I'm like, okay, somebody needs to bring that to the attention of, you know, the U.S. and there's just some really great food there. And I feel like you are seeing more and more of that. But I do think sometimes, at least here in Texas, the misconception still is that it's very unhealthy. And I'm like, nope, got to change that. Need to change that. Yeah. How are, okay, so how's your mom doing with vegan food now? <laughs> you know, my mom's case is a little bit um, complicated yeah. because she also has other health issues. So it, it it's a little bit difficult for her mm-hmm. to to adapt to yeah. veganism she does eat more I would say she eats way less meat mm-hmm. um she's gotten more like plant she's predominantly plant-based like plant-based. she prefers not to eat red meat and she doesn't eat it at all yeah chicken she'll like have it occasionally yeah. um but it's you know everybody has such a co- different complicated health right um issues or mm-hmm. problems or diseases and it's and there's a little, there's a, there's a section of kind of veganism that makes you want to think that veganism is the cure for everything. Mm. It's not. Right. Everybody is a separate individual with mm-hmm. different bodies and different needs. Mm-hmm. It is a wonderful, wonderful diet with so many benefits, with so many ethical implications. Yeah. And really the base, especially in Mexico, we've seen the base of our cuisine yeah in the beginning the indigenous people of mexico were predominantly plant-based they did eat game they did eat fish but it was mostly the base of the cuisine has is and still is was corn yeah corn was the base of the cuisine and you know when the spaniards came and conquered mexico they brought pigs Mm -hmm. which is lard they brought cheese they brought towels Mm -hmm. they brought you know butter they brought all this stuff that integrated into the cuisine itself but the before they got here we didn't have yeah so it it did it changed it changed the cuisine and and all of that uh i'm wondering how has it been do you are you raising your kids vegan or are you giving them that choice is your husband vegan my husband is not vegan okay so the kids aren't vegan either they They do eat whenever he cooks animal products, like they'll eat animal products, Mm -hmm. but I'm the one who makes dinner at home usually. Mm -hmm. And I only make vegan food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, we have a rule in the house that you got to eat what I make. So (laughs) good rule. There's, there's no, there's no, like, I don't like it. I'm going to make myself a peanut butter and jelly. No, like if you, this is dinner and if you don't want to eat it, you don't have to eat it, but you're not eating anything else. Right. So then, you know, sometimes you might go to bed <laughs> hungry, but just sometimes. Yeah, they're they're gonna be okay. Yeah, they, they yeah. survive. They survive and they have yeah. a good breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you? Um, because I know as again, as my friends have kids and and you know, they're trying to pass on traditions to them, given that, well. I don't think in, it, it can't be Mexican food if it's vegan. I know there will probably be people, as you said, who are like, nope, it's not authentic. That's not Mexican yeah. food. But how are you keeping your traditions alive through food with your kids, even through a vegan diet, as, or as you change you know, recipes to adapt for your lifestyle? 
Well, when the beginning and mo- most of the recipes on my blog are my family recipes, mm-hmm. veganized. So I'm actually not only sharing it with my kids, I'm sharing it with the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world gets it too. Um, so really, I take like my pozole recipe on the yeah. site. It's my grandmother's pozole yeah. recipe that I adapted um, and made it vegan. The tamal recipe is from my dad's restaurant. And, you know, like the cooks taught me how to make it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just made it vegan. So I'm, I want to say I'm like hitting all my childhood milestones. Like we get together for Christmas and I make vegan tamales and I make vegan pozole and I'll make vegan menudo. And, and the experience is the same. Like it's still me recreating what my grandmother taught me and sharing it with my mm-hmm. children. It just yeah. doesn't have to have animal products. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. That's cool. I love that, that your kids are, some would argue like, oh, well, you're not really teaching. It's like, no, yes, you still are. Cause it's, it's the ritual around it so many times as well. And the intent. So, and the food, I mean, it's still Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. So that I, I love that, that you're continuing to teach them. And like you said, you're teaching the greater world out there. Like, Mexican food is healthy and you can also adapt and change and I know I have my own problems with sometimes with authenticity I love to bake and I was talking to somebody a while ago and they were talking about how they like to make green tea conchas and all of that and I'm like why would you make a green tea concha and I'm like it's not real but I'm like no it is it's just a different way of doing it and it's hard for me sometimes to let go of that stuff as well but I'm like, no, it's still a corncha. Like the base is still there. The intent is still <laughs> there. It's just a different flavor. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. So um, just kind of as I, to, as we wrap up, I know you've got a lot going on. I'm curious, do you have any like favorite vegan books that you would recommend? I know you've got one around tamales and then I could be wrong, but do you have another one coming out soon or a compilation of something? Yes. Called Our so- Vegan Mexico? Yeah, right now I have on Amazon the an ebook that's all about how to make vegan tamales. It's uh-huh. called Vegan Tamales Unwrapped. Uh-huh. It's also available in Spanish. Oh, cool. And then in Spanish is called Arte Hecho Tamal. And um and that one is on Amazon and it's an mm-hmm. ebook and it has over 18 different tamales, both sweet and savory. Cool. Okay. And it shows you like step by step picture through like with pictures how to make tamales how to put in the pot how to make the mm-hmm. dough how to put it in the husk how to use banana leaves if you want to use banana leaves like it's it's very very thorough and then recently I released another one it's called RV in Mexico and that mm-hmm. was a project I made with several Mexican and Mexican-American chefs and cooks and like bloggers and influencers and everyone shared a family recipe or their own recipe um, and each recipe is paired with a state. So we have 32 recipes and each recipe is representing a state of Mexico. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And do you have any favorite like books that you found just really helpful over the years as you've made your transition to veganism? You know, right now there's a several, if you're looking for like vegan Mexican books, mm-hmm. there's in, um, in general, yeah. I think- well, in general, let's see what helped me the most. You know, all the and even still now, when I look at vegan books and I and I open them, I see food that's most of them are like Americanized. So mm-hmm. you'll get like, 
you know, like your American favorite. Yeah. So there'll be spaghetti lasagna, pizza, burgers, sure. you know, salads. They'll they'll put in a little bit of like Asian influences yeah. and curries, which are very good with mm-hmm. veganism. But it just never catches my attention. Like it never, it never. I'm like, oh, I want to make all of it. Except for um, I don't know if you've heard of Vegan Yak Attack. No, she's a blogger and she has really, really good recipes and she has three books and they're all excellent, excellent okay. books. And it's not just all like typical American food. Like she puts in a little bit of everything. Those are her books are some of my favorite books and they're easy recipes. Mm-hmm. She even has one that's like um, for meal prep. If you want to okay. meal prep vegan and like it has kind of like the meal plan. It's really helpful if you're just starting out. But um. like professionally I like to buy just cuisines that I'm interested I'll buy books by chefs and then I'll see how I can veganize it (laughs) gotcha yeah yeah because why limit yourself right to just the vegan world it's like no you Mm -hmm. can still we can learn from everything and just kind of take bits and pieces here and there so okay very very cool so you've got our vegan Mexico you've got your tamale book there's your website and then you are going to start teaching virtual classes right I think yes, I'm, I did it last year from September to December and we're starting it up again mm-hmm. and it's a Zoom cooking class. So you'll get a list of the ingredients beforehand that you need, the prep that you need to do before, the recipe, the shopping list. Mm-hmm. And then the day of the class, we kind of all log in and we cook together. I'll show you how to make the recipe step by step and yeah. you can ask questions. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we all kind of like just show our dishes and eat together it's really fun oh fun fun. yeah are you doing that once a month or is it just yes okay I'm going to do it once a month through the end of the year or I'm planning until the end of the year and then and then we'll see usually by January everybody's like trying to go like on a (laughs) cleanse of some sort (laughs) everybody needs a break yeah Thank you so much for talking to me. This has been really, I love getting to know other folks. It's so funny, like when growing up in Del Rio, you feel like you know everybody, but at the same time, you don't. You just know the class that you went to school with. So it's fun to meet folks who, you know, have left and come back and are doing really neat things. And I would say you're doing an amazing job with your education at the CIA and I, I'm sure you don't need to hear this from me, but you are definitely putting it to use. Maybe not the way that you thought, but I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. And thanks for, thanks for sharing, you know, Mexican culture with everybody out there and just, I don't know, giving them a different perspective on what it is and what it can be. Cause I just think that's so, so necessary. Um, and I know I'm going to try a couple of things. You just recently did a vegan concha. I love conchas. Those are my favorite. Like that's my favorite type of pan dulce. So I'm going to have to check it out and try that one. Yeah, it's a very good recipe. Yeah, it said it's, it's best vegan concha. <laughs> no, you know, people that try it um, uh-huh. that are not vegan, they say it's the best concha they've ever had. Oh, so high praise (laughs) yeah I'm definitely going to try that in fact it's so funny I just pulled out butter because I want to make conchas this weekend um but I'm gonna have to try yours next and do a little comparison but I bet I won't even notice the difference but yeah and I just recently I was just recently in Mexico and I was able to find a little the stamp the marcador for the uh crispy top so I'm very uh-huh. happy that's really where I'm going to make one just because I finally found one and I want to use it. 
Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Hopefully, maybe one day, once this, I don't know, I th think we're living in the pandemic. It is here to stay, maybe not the pandemic, but the virus. So yeah. it would be lovely to meet you next time I'm down there. Um, yeah, whenever you're in Real, send me a message. Yeah, I definitely will. All right. Well, thank you. Was there anything else you wanted to share? Or people can find you on your blog and on Instagram. And do you have a Facebook group or anything like that? I have. Where are you Facebook most active? <laughs> uh, on Instagram. Okay. I'm most active on Instagram. And I just started um, TikTok, which I'm finding very fun. So I'll, I'm on TikTok and Instagram. I do have a Facebook page. And I'm on Pinterest. I'm everywhere, really, except everywhere. Twitter. I never really got Twitter. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm like, eh, it's too much. So is your TikTok uh, Dora's Table as well? Yes. Okay. All right. I will attach that to all the show notes. And yeah, I will do that for you. Well, thank you. I will let you go and enjoy your family and the rest of your long weekend. And Okay. Well, it was great I to meet you. It was good to meet you too, Laura. Thank you so okay. much. Bye. Bye. Ta-da! There's the last episode of 2021. Thank you, Dora, for taking the time over the long Labor Day weekend, that's when we recorded, uh, to speak with me and to share your story and just all of the incredible work that you're doing and how you got to where you are. It's really awesome for me always to hear people's journeys. That's the fun part of life, right? Um, so I'm glad I got this episode out in time for the holidays because Dora is teaching some online cooking classes. So her next one is November 13th and it's Mexican breakfast. She's going to be teaching a class on how to make chilaquiles, pozole, café de olla. So you definitely want to check that out. You can find her information at dorastable.com. And of course, check out her books, Vegan Tamales Unwrapped, which is perfect for this time of year for your tamaladas and for those of you who are maybe exploring going vegan but still want to you know honor those traditions of Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of that stuff she also has our vegan Mexico and my vegan Mexican so definitely hit up her website and check her out on Instagram and like she said on TikTok where she's having a ton of fun so thank you again Dora for joining me thank you to all of you who have listened to my podcast I really hope to be back next year with some new episodes. I'm brainstorming who I want to reach out to. Um, but in the meantime, for all of you who have listened, it means a lot. So thank you to my family. Thank you to my friends. Have a great rest of your year. Enjoy your time with family. Enjoy your time with friends or just enjoy your time alone. Whatever it is that you do, be safe, be well, and buen provecho.